0: This is the podcast that discusses Chinese culture and history through historical Chinese dramas, as well as chase Chinese dramas and Chinese entertainment. We are your hosts, Karen and Kathy. The Chinese entertainment industry has been relatively quiet following the summer buzz. So we'll take a second to talk about the Chinese entertainment platform landscape or streaming services landscape. This is also partly inspired by recent news from Netflix that they are adding different subscription tiers and also adding ads. For those of you who are interested in what's going on in the Chinese entertainment industry as a whole and also what's going on with drivers for certain dramas, this is a great way to understand current dynamics. If you enjoy this type of content, please let us know. Send us an email at Karen and Kathy at chasingdramas.com, post on our social media, or else go on our website at www.chasingdramas.com. We would love to hear from you. So today I want to discuss the major platform and distribution players in the Chinese entertainment industry because this will also become the basis for discussion on comparisons of different dramas, the red carpets that celebrities walk and the awards they win. We're nearing the end of the year and I am so excited for the red carpets. (laughs) Well, in the past couple of months, we've discussed upcoming shows and dramas and the platforms that they will air on. But today, let's talk about the platforms themselves and the shift that we've seen in the past few years. Let me first start off by discussing the business model for Chinese dramas and content. We first have content creators, which includes TV production companies, TV stations, platform production companies, and of course, original creators. For production companies, think of the equivalent of MGM Studios or Paramount Pictures. Now, I know that they have basically all been acquired by larger companies, but think of them before the acquisition, and those are your equivalents in China. These studios or production companies create, develop, or produce the movies and TV shows that are then bought by the distribution channels. The buyers... Of these dramas or movies could also be regional TV stations or channels. The Chinese model is a little different from what we have in the States. Each province in China has their own TV station. So if I was in Beijing for my local TV, I would see Beijing television. I might not see the local television channel from another province such as Sichuan. The content, TV shows, and news for Beijing TV would be all different. Some TV channels from the different provinces might have a bigger market and are aired across the country. This is most likely the case for Beijing TV, Dongfang TV, which represents Shanghai, and Hunan TV. Again, this is at the province level. Some province-specific channels will have shows and even news broadcast in the local dialect. And so that is why some of these different channels for regional areas are very localized. In the US, at least, TV shows or TV stations are differentiated by the major markets. Regardless of where you are, you would get the standard channels such as ABC, NBC, CBS, or Fox. The content you see from, let's say, ABC is the same regardless of state what is different is the local news for the different markets in china the regional tv stations themselves will order or produce tv dramas for themselves and have unique rights to air those dramas the most famous of the tv stations over the years perhaps has been hunan weishi or hunan tv So you would turn on Hunan TV to watch their unique dramas, and growing up, that was what we would watch somehow (laughs) getting broadcast to Hunan uh, TV even in the States. CCTV, which is the Chinese Central Television, is aired on all TVs uh, in China. They also order and produce TV shows and dramas themselves. Because of its status as the country's television channel, there is extra importance placed on the dramas that air on CCTV. On one hand, there are strict restrictions or rules on what can be aired on CCTV, but also if your drama or movie is aired there, you are almost guaranteed worldwide recognition. This brings us to the subscription streaming companies. They buy the rights to air the content from the TV production companies and the TV stations. Sometimes they also partner with the TV stations or the TV production companies to develop a show. The main players in the Chinese entertainment industry right now include iQiyi, Tencent TV, Youku, Mango TV, and Bilibili. Think of these companies as the Netflixes, the Amazon Prime videos of the world. They aren't quite the same as Disney Plus or Peacock because they ultimately don't have a TV channel as a platform. The one exception here is, of course, Mango TV, which is tied to Hunan Weishu or Hunan TV. Now, let me round out the rest of the business model with revenue generation. How the streaming companies in China make money is also a little different from the companies in the U.S. Customer fees are, of course, a staple of the subscription streaming service model in China. You can buy monthly and annual memberships similar to Netflix, but for many of these platforms, you don't have to pay a fee and instead have to see the ads for the show or movie you're watching. So it's kind of like a free to watch, but with ads. That's kind of similar to Peacock TV right now. Some of the platforms also in China release the first six, eight episodes for free viewing to hook the viewers and then lock the rest of the episodes so that you buy membership. They don't only do it for China, like IT and others do it in the States um, where they have like English versions of their channels. And so you can watch the first six, eight episodes for free. And then everything else is VIP restricted. External businesses also place ads on the streaming platforms to draw eyeballs for their products. The ultimate goal for these streaming platforms is, of course, to have high daily active users. Everything from games, live streams and streaming sales are just to draw viewers onto their platform and spend money on the platform to generate revenue. We are going to focus a lot on the subscription streaming companies because, A, quite frankly, that's where the market has shifted to in the last five years, and B, that's where most of the costume dramas are being aired that we cover for our podcast. What I think is really fascinating is just how the industry has shifted in the last decade or so. Prior to these streaming platforms becoming a thing, All of the shows that one consumes was on TV. And so I feel like the content was limited. Now on these streaming platforms, there's so many opportunities for these uh, streaming platforms to show off various dramas to earn revenue. As long as they pass through, I guess, inspection by the entertainment bureau, they're free to launch and stream on their platform. So I feel like there's been a lot more Chinese drama content being produced in the last five years, because also you have a lot more competition. And so that's what we're going to get into now. One aspect that Karen didn't mention is the fact that in the past couple of years, the Chinese government has also cracked down on what is available and able to air on the TV stations. So if, for example, a TV show, as Karen mentioned, is able to air on not just c c t v but a regional t v channel then that has gone through like rigorous, rigorous vetting and is appropriate for all eyes. I would say that is not the case for web dramas, so if it was if a drama is streaming only, then yes, they have to go through you know inspection, I would say, but it's not as rigorous as something that will be aired on a regional t v channel and almost uh similar to what we have in the states. Viewership used to be king on these television channels. Now you are almost probably never gonna get the same levels of viewership for uh, TV as you did in the last decade because most of the eyeballs are shifting to these streaming platforms. So let's talk about the streaming platforms themselves. First up, I think in my view, the most popular is Tengxun Shipin or Tencent Video. This service launched in 2011 under the juggernaut parent company of Tencent. It is the current leader of all of the streaming platform services with around 81 million daily active users as of June, 2022. Next up we have ITE, first formed in 2010 and was then acquired by Baidu in 2013. This company went public on the New York Stock Exchange in 2018. It is second in our list with around 67 million daily active users. Third up is Yo first launched in 2006 and is now a subsidiary of Alibaba Group Holdings Limited. This platform ranks third with around 45 million daily active users and up fourth is Mango TV. It launched in 2014 as part of Hunan TV and has around 41 million daily active users. This is the largest of the TV station apps in China. And so it was trying to continue its dominance of viewership that it enjoyed as a television station into the streaming platforms. All of these platforms compete with each other to acquire viewers and customers who will pay. This could mean partnering with competing platforms to air the same content or also securing the rights to air a drama that will be aired on a television station, all to share in the viewers. At the end of the day, though, content is king, and these platforms compete to have the quote-unquote hot content on their platform. Just think about what we have uh, in the States. Amazon Prime just spent I think $700 million on Ring of Power. And then HBO has House of the Dragon, um, Hulu, and Netflix all have their proprietary uh, content as well. Just saw the new season five trailer for The Crown. The Crown. So that'll be exciting. (laughs) So these platforms in China target two main areas to attract viewers. That's IP and the actors and actresses themselves. The different platforms have had varying successes to date with their different strategies. We'll talk about what each platform has done in the past couple of years and you decide what you think um, or who you think is winning this, I guess, platform war. Let's talk about Tencent first. Tencent is a behemoth in China. Its products span everything from social media with WeChat to video games to video streaming and music. My overall view of Tencent is that it is a flashy company. They have a lot of money, so they will just throw money at a lot of different projects to get more viewership. What do I mean? For Tencent video, they will spend a lot of money to buy the intellectual properties of popular books, games, and manhua, which is the Chinese version of manga, and have them adapted to the screen. The company also has a whole slew of A-list actors and actresses as their spokespeople. They might not be the best actors and actresses in the sense that they might not have won all the awards, but they definitely attract the most eyeballs and have substantial media influence. The current crop include Dilraba, Xiao Zhan, Yang Yang, and Yang Mi as the global brand ambassadors for Tencent Video and WeTV. So to have them locked in is quite a feat. All of them have Astronomical amounts of Weibo followers and basically are the top of the top in terms of media influence in China. Right, so Tencent basically locks these popular stars to act in dramas on their platform with a steady output each year. For Yang Mi, think of Novoland Pearl Eclipse last year. That was unique to Tencent. Yang Yang and Dili Raba had the big hit, You Are My Glory, or Yao last year. This year, Yang Yang had 且是天下, or Who Rules the World, Xiao Zhan has the upcoming Yu Gu Yao, or The Longest Promise. Yang Mi and Dilraba also have additional modern-day dramas that will air this year or next year on Tencent. Now, in addition, because Tencent is a holdings company, it can and will cross-promote its own products. This is very much the case for Tencent and cross-promoting their gaming arm with games such as Honor of Kings, which, of course, was a great tie-in for You Are My Glory, the TV show, because, surprisingly, the book talks directly about the game Honor of Kings, and Tencent, as a company, was like, cool, we're gonna make a whole drama or a TV show about this. When it works like it did in You Are My Glory, people who had no idea what Honor of Kings was when and checked out the game, because it's all part of the Tencent family, Tencent made a ton of money last year. For U.S. viewers, Amazon Prime Video and its connection to Prime is probably like the most comparable service or company. We've been watching the Lord of the Rings show, Ring of Power, and Every time you watch it, they're like, ooh, related content. You can buy Lord of the Rings books or all this other stuff. And so um, on Amazon. <laughs> on Amazon. And that's exactly what Tencent does. Tencent is also willing to spend a lot of money to make beautiful looking dramas. I think top of mind this year is Meng Lu, A Dream of Splendor. And Xinghan Lan, Love Like the Galaxy. Though I am Obvious in my preference for the former. <laughs> However, what's interesting is that the most popular Tencent dramas this year were more male-focused dramas or crime dramas, such as Lie Zui Tu Jian Under the Skin, Xue Zhong Han Dao Xing Sword Snow Stride, and Kai Duan or Reset. Now on to ITE this platform to me is more like a slow and steady win the race type platform each year they somehow find a way to have some of the most watched dramas uh, and compete or outright beat Tencent, despite the company not throwing a ton of money at the dramas they air in my opinion it focuses on quality ip with a wider range of actors and actresses meaning they may not get the most famous people, but they'll get the up-and-coming actors or the well-established actors to lead their dramas. For example, Ren Shijian, or A Lifelong Journey, is headlined by Lei Jiayin, a well-respected actor in his late 30s. And this drama was a very popular one that came out earlier this year. We also have Tang Lanjue, or Love Between Fairy and Devil, which is the, I would say, the most popular breakout hit of the year, for IT at least. And last year, I.T.E. had Dre Xu, My Heroic Husband, Ai Shang Te Zhong Bing, My Dear Guardian, and Yi Sheng Yi Shi Forever and Ever, as well as Zhou Sheng Ru Gu. All of these were very popular hits. They might not star like the most famous actors and actresses, but they did pretty well. IT definitely finds a way to be a destination for must-see content. The drama that we're covering Yanxi Gong Lue, or the story of Yancy Palace was an exclusive on ITE. One of their most high-profile ones for next year will be Fox Spirit Matchmaker Yu Hong Chapter or Hu Yao Xiao Hong Yang Yu Hong Pian starring Yang Mi and Gong Jun. Next up we have currently number three yo cool i feel like in the recent years i guess yo cool shifted its focus from tv shows to variety shows and acquiring the rights to old tv shows yo has a lot of dance competition shows which are like fine if you're into that but you can only get or like absorb so much dancing <laughs> in a year Surprisingly, though, Yoku is the only place to watch Jin Huan Zhuan or Empresses in the Palace and a lot of the old TVB dramas. So people flock to Yoku for like comfort watching, which also means that it will forever have steady income because Jin Huan Zhuan will always, always represent a good chunk of people who are watching. In previous years, Yoku would partner with other platforms to air dramas that they have priority IP rights over. For example, in 2021, Siheng or Rattan was given rights by YoKu to air on all three major platforms. So Tencent, IT and YoKu. But guess what? That was insanely popular. Maybe YoKu didn't think that Rattan would do well, but many people were thinking, wow, they must have really like kicked themselves after seeing how popular Ratan was. If they managed to keep Rattan for themselves on their own platform, Yoku probably would have done much better in terms of uh, viewership and also just increased daily active users. So, right, what we then have was the most popular show that aired exclusively on Yoku last year was Shan Huling, or word of honor which of course then one of the stars promptly got blacklisted as well. So, you know, there's not much that Yoko can boast about in 2021. In 2022, after I feel like a couple years of them not trying to compete with unique content, the platform probably just woke up and said, you know what, we need to invest in unique content. And this year they went all in to very, actually some good success. They dropped a lot of money to quote-unquote steal some of the great talent that are signed to other platforms. For example, Dilireba, who, as I mentioned earlier, is a spokesperson for Tencent. She this year, though, had The Blue Whisper or Yu Jun Chu Xiang Shi air exclusively on Youku. She will also have Anle Juan or The Legend of Anle, air this year exclusively on YoKu as well which to the YoKu gods can you please air it soon I really really want to see that show. Yang Zi is similarly attached to Tencent but she also had Chen Xiangruxie or the Immortal Samsara air on YoKu. Zhao Ying, who we've discussed a lot um, and was the star of the story of Minglan, had Jia or the story of Fu air exclusively on the platform as well. With these dramas, the daily active users and downloads did rise over the course of this year. We will have to see if Youku will decide to continue to compete by investing in exclusive content. It looks like they did well in 2022, but You know they have to maintain that momentum and we'll have to wait to see in 2023 how they do lastly let's talk about mango tv as the official platform for hunan tv yes it does have a lot of quality tv shows but in recent years i feel like the focus has been all around reality and variety shows so a couple of reality TV shows that have been amazing or been really popular in the last couple of years. Number one, Jie or Sister Who Make Waves, which is a reality competition show where women over 30, and these are celebrities, some of them may have been more famous in the past or others are kind of up and coming, compete to become a new girl band. Very interesting. We talked about how Cindy Wang Ling totally just made huge headlines when she uh, performed in season three earlier this year. Another super popular show is called Xing Da Zhen Tan or Who's the Murderer? I highly, highly recommend this reality TV show. I don't know if it's out there with English uh, translations. I loved it. I only discovered it this year and binged all seven uh, seasons. <laughs> I will, I will jump in and say, um, sometimes I catch Karen, like laughing manically in the background and I turn around and I'm like, what is happening? She's like, watch this TV, um, reality TV show. So I need to get her, I need to get Kathy to watch it, but it is fantastic. As the name suggests, this is a murder mystery reality TV show. And every episode you have a number of Actors, actresses, or celebrities, news anchors, etc., come and they play different roles, and you have to guess which one of them is the murderer. It's tons of fun. Another really popular show is Xiangwan de Shenghuo, or Back to the Fields. This one is kind of odd because it's literally a bunch of people that are, you know, actors and actresses and famous people who go out into the countryside and hang out with a couple of more seasoned actors and actresses. And so you're just enjoying a very comforting feeling watching this show. And then I do have to mention that right now, 皮精展示, the Google, or Call Me By Fire, season two is happening. And this is the male equivalent of Sister Who Make Waves. A bunch of singers or actors that are men older than 30 or 30 and above range uh come back and compete to try to make a boy band. I really don't think that these bands stay together for too long, but it's fantastic to see all of these accomplished folks get a second chance to showcase their skills. I mean, some of these women and men are in their 50s and they're still rocking it. So, I have yeah, I have a good time um watching the reality TV shows for those for Sister Who Makes Waves and Call Me By Fire. So I would say that Mango TV has found its niche for now in that maybe it doesn't want to compete in too many of these bespoke or expensive television dramas, but instead focus on very popular uh, reality TV shows. In summary, most of the popular content that we consume right now for Chinese entertainment is housed within these four big subscription streaming services. There are two dominant players, with the rest filling their own niches. In future episodes, we will find time to discuss some of the ridiculousness surrounding these platforms, which includes the fans and the actors and actresses themselves. There's quite a lot of interesting developments that have happened that we keep an eye out for and also scratch our heads a lot because we don't fully understand what's happening. (laughs) Thank you all so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this content. If you have any questions or comments, again, feel free to reach out to us. We will catch you in the next episode.